AM790 Talk and Business presents Water Fire Ignites Rhode Island with your host, Bronwyn Dannenfelser. Join Bronwyn to hear about the next Water Fire event in downtown Providence, plus other great cultural events happening in the community. Now, here's your host, Bronwyn Dannenfelser. Well, hello, 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 and good afternoon, and welcome to Water Fire Ignites Rhode Island. Uh, we are your one-hour talk show and entertainment program here on AM790, your station for talk and business. And normally we're with you on Wednesdays, but we were preempted by a Yankees game. So today, we're lucky enough to be with you here on a Tuesday. And we've got a really phenomenal show I'm lined up with some great information. I have normally my co-host Barnaby Evans would be here, but Barnaby couldn't make it because he's... Uh, doing more stuff for Waterfire, that busy man that he is. So we are absolutely lucky, lucky, lucky to have as my co-host today, Mr. Michael Grando. Hello, Michael. Hello, Bronwyn. How are you? I'm good. Now, a lot of people probably aren't used to hearing your voice because you oh. are the mime at Waterfire. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> yes. So we have a show with the co-host being the talking mime. Yes. I think it's brilliant. Fortunately, I cannot be seen and therefore... No one can prove it. (laughs) (laughs) It's not really Michael speaking. And then I've also got our managing director um, from Water Fire, Mr. Peter Peter Mello, joining us. Hello, Peter. Hello, Bronwyn. Thank you for having me. Yeah, well, thanks for coming on. I know that there's so much that we want to talk about, but I want to start with... Wasn't that weekend amazing? It was awesome. Yeah. Great start to the season, right? Absolutely. And I was I was commenting um, about Michael. Unfortunately, you couldn't be there, and we missed you at this Thank water you, fire. Darling. Thank you so but much. But the first full water fire lighting um, was so absolutely jam packed, and the energy was just so vibrant. And out of the ten years I've been at water fire, and it's always the kind of that full lighting uh, Memorial Day weekend and Brown's commencement weekend. It's busy, but it's not like one of those ones where it's just jam-packed it was jam-packed it was the crowds were the crowds were huge and they were huge early usually yeah. that fire is a little later in the evening but i know it was uh, brown's graduation and johnson and wales graduation so a lot of people in town i think yeah there was a lot going on in the city and people were happy and i was happy because i finally felt like summer is here and we are ready to go and i think even our all of our water fire team was just you know over the moon excited so there's nothing more exciting than being on the water and seeing the people you know it's astounding the the viewpoint is obviously very different and uh it's almost overwhelming at times the energy level the energy level of people the fact that they're out and they desire to be there for that event absolutely well and that's what i found too and you know we had the taiko drummers Mm. from brown university that were there so they added this whole nother element of kind of like that ceremonial kind of kickoff to the season um, because they started before the fires so Mm. it, it was just you know Hands up saying thank you to whoever for just creating a wonderful um, weather night and just good energy with lots of great people there. And then, you know, I was getting a lot of questions, though, Peter, and this is why I really wanted to bring you onto the show. And one, I think you should be on the show more often because you got lots of information and you're our managing director. So Peter is kind of the captain of our ship. Let's put it that way. So, you know, Barnaby created Waterfire. Peter kind of keeps it moving along and keeps adding on stuff to it to make it bigger and better every year. And I had a lot of questions about, you know, I think a lot of people know about the building that we acquired and have been asking me, are we in the building? What are we doing with the building? Can you give us a little bit of information as to where we are and what people can kind of expect? Absolutely. That is my favorite subject. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, We bought a building in 
2012, mm. November 2012, I believe it was. So. And uh, it's a spectacular historic building. It's located on Valley Street. If you know where Valley Street is, near the old uh, American Locomotive Complex, office complex. It's a 27,000 square foot uh, warehouse. One big room. Mm-hmm. It's like an airplane hangar. It's just cathedral-like when you go in. It's very inspiring. And uh, our plans is to take that space and make it into a, an art center. So it'll be our home, but it will be uh, an opportunity for us to engage visitors to Providence when water fire isn't on, to mm-hmm. tell the water fire story that way, and to engage the local residents in the valley only of old neighborhoods and then throughout all of Providence and maybe all of Rhode Island, actually, with some really powerful, unique programming, some after-school programs, some educational uh, summer camp-type programs. Uh, it be a place for our volunteers to uh, come and work on the projects that they, they love working on. And as we know, water fire is really uh, only possible because we have so many amazingly dedicated volunteers so gifted out there. and talented people. There, yeah, dedicated. Really truly dedicated, gifted, and talented. Some of those people have been with us since the beginning. Yeah. It's incredible. It's amazing. And every weekend. You know, that's the thing, too. It's not well, once it, a year. You know, they wouldn't do it if it didn't feel so good. You know, it, it actually feels good. It feels good. And I think that they support that because that's a hard thing to find in the culture, isn't it, in one way or another? It, something where there's a union of people in the sense of them coming together to do something wonderful for everyone else. Yeah, absolutely. They yeah. feel they own it. They feel it, you know, and not they feel. They are as much of the history of it and the creation of it as Barnaby and everybody else involved. The, wa- the, the volunteers really are the ones, they're the face of uh, Waterfire to the public. No question. Yeah, and, th- and they do a lot. And you know, th- the one thing, Peter, that I know I've heard you say over and over um, as we've been moving down this track with the building is that, you know, a, gr- a great place where people often come to us at Waterfire and they want to collaborate and they want to find out how we're doing what we're doing because, l- let's face it, I, I think... God broke the mold when he made water fire. I mean, we're, and we're trying to actually like, figure out how to make it work, you know, as a free event, still open and free right. to the public, right. um, that involves everybody. But this educational aspect and making it like a place where people can come in as a think tank. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I so know that you've wanted to spearhead that. Yeah, we're working on this concept, and uh, the name is maybe a little clunky right now, but we're working on it. It's a center of excellence for creative placemaking, and creative placemaking is what really water fire is, using art to uh, add vibrancy and economy uh, to a community to help build civic pride in a community. So we're kind of one of the poster child, poster children of, of that movement, which has uh, become very popular now in urban planning. And it's not just us. Uh, Providence does it extremely well. AS220 is another example. They do it very differently. They do it through yeah. development of real estate and, and uh, programming with artists. Um, but there's lots of people in Providence and in Rhode Island who do this well, and we want to capitalize on that. We want to uh, take advantage. When uh, the National Endowment for the Arts wrote their white paper a few years ago about the concept of creative placemaking, there was a whole chapter devoted to Providence. So this building is going to hopefully give us this opportunity to teach people what we do, to bring people in from outside communities, to show them, give them an experiential education, an opportunity to kind of experience water fire, actually help build it, help create it for that night, and walk away with some lessons of what it's like to plan and execute a major public uh, event like we have. I mean, it's really exciting. And so people keep asking me, are we in the building? And, you know, and as I, that's what I was trying to say. We're, we're kind of in a – this is something that's taken stages. And, right. you know, we did the whole thing on Yes on Five last year. Right. And I know that we're trying to raise a certain amount of money in order to be able to meet a goal to get to get matched 
What is that, Peter? Could you explain it better than I can? Yeah, well, the goal? <laughs> <laughs> we're, uh, we're ultimately trying to raise a little less than $2 million, so let's say about $2 million. And uh, uh, that's part of a much larger campaign that has a lot of working pieces to it. We're the, the, uh, I'd like to just, first of all, thank all of your listeners who voted yes on question five on no- yeah. last November because that is a significant contributor to our whole state's uh, cultural economy, nine organizations. We were one of the original nine organizations, the beneficiaries of that creative and cultural economy bond, and that will contribute roughly $3.2 million to our project. And that is in matching funds, too. So listeners are so thinking about making a gift. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We could um, use it. <laughs> your gift could be leveraged 100%. So we need to match that money in order to get access to it. But we're working on some other more complex things like historic tax credits, uh, federal historic tax credits, as well as new market tax credits to try to make this project happen. And uh, and we ultimately have to raise a couple million dollars to uh, close a gap, a funding gap that yeah. we have there. So uh, we're, we're well on our way, though. We're excited. Well, I, I know because I know that we've had some successes, but it doesn't mean that it ends there. There's a timeline to this, as far as I'm aware. And what what is that date that we need to raise? Well, yeah, to qualify for new market tax credits, we need to raise roughly two million dollars, probably by December or so. So, okay. and that will free up another approximately three point two million dollars of tax credits to this project, which are federally issued tax credits uh, through uh, the Department of Treasury. Yeah. And um, so we're, we're we're excited and um, we got a ways to go, but we're very confident that we're gonna we're gonna make our goal. Well, and I, and I know that we so we were talking. There, there's a lot of work to be done in this building, and I know you've been working with architects to really thoughtfully plan out. You know what can happen here? Can there be gallery space? Which I know that's part of the thought. And these conference rooms and our offices and everything else, and kind of almost like a place where people can learn about water fire, as you said, when it's not on a water fire night because. We do. We show up uh, 12, 13 times a year, and we disappear. But we're there all the time. So I think it's going to be such an incredible move for us. Um, I do know, as I said, there's work that needs to be done. But we can. You, you did an event in the building. What was that? Yeah, we uh, we hosted an event. We've hosted a couple things, but this year, just recently, we hosted the uh, Social uh, Enterprise Greenhouses a party that they had after their seed conference at Brown. And uh, it was a fun event. There was a band in there, a couple, uh, the band and a DJ, and uh, it was just great. It was uh, in the evening of the conference itself. Very successful event, and we're looking in the future to do more types of things like that when the building gets developed. We actually did it in its raw stage. It is pretty... But that's <laughs> cool, because, it it, I mean, cause it's kind of like a blank canvas right now. So you it, 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 It's beautiful. I, I'm always visual, you know, and, and since Phantom Boatman, the little film... I get, it suggested a particular movie theme to me inside before yeah. it gets too done, you know. It's very beautiful in its way. Yeah, and if uh, listeners want to check it out, you just have to go to future.waterfire.org, and uh, that'll bring you to a special website that has pictures of the building and its current state. So it's uh, all of the pre-development pictures. Yeah, hmm. and I think also that, Peter, and I know that you and I have talked about this, our goal is to show people this building because we want... 
it's a community building. We want ideas. We don't we don't just want your money. We, we would love money, and I have to say that it's my <laughs> job. Um, but when we need it, um, but with ideas as well. And again, because we are such a collaborative art yeah. arts organization, I know that you've taken people on tours. If people are interested, they can call Waterfire, and if they would like to see it and like to find out how they can actually help, because there are going to be naming opportunities. There's going to be so many ways that people can actually join in and be part of this really kind of incredible movement. So I, I love taking people there. It's like the highlight of my day. I just came from there. I showed two people, somebody who's fairly influential in the state. And uh, the, the thing when you take people to the building is it opens their eyes to what it takes to put on water fire. When they step in there and they say, wow, all this equipment, these trucks, you say, yeah, we've, you know, it's kind of like going to Disney. You kind of have the experience and you enjoy it, but you really don't kind of want to know what's going on behind the scenes necessarily we've done a good job of kind of hiding that magic but it does it is a major enterprise to put this thing on as you know so well if anybody knows Bronwyn knows trying to raise that sponsorship and doing a great job with that but it's an incredible uh uh, it takes a lot of resource to put on water fire. In that building, uh, when I bring people there, their eyes are opened up to. to well, I'm so glad you said that. And by the way, I know before we go into construction on September 3rd, we're going to do a blowout party there. It's called the Fireball. It's called the Fireball, <laughs> and it's going to be a fundraiser. And we'll, uh, you'll learn a lot more about that as we get going. But Peter, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. I know that you are so busy always, along with Barnaby, running around getting everything done for water fire. So well, thank you so much. Thanks, thanks, thank you too, and uh, anytime. Look forward thanks, to seeing Peter. you, Michael. Back on the river too. too. Absolutely. You're listening to AM790, your station for talk and business in Waterfire Ignites Rhode Island. We'll be right back. Welcome back. You are listening to Waterfire Ignites Rhode Island here on AM790, your station for talk and business. I'm Bronwyn Dannenfelzer. I am your host, and I am here with my lovely co-host, Thank you. Mr. Michael Grando, <laughs> our talking mime. Oh, uh, yes. Our yes. talking mime, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Michael, you weren't able to be with, with us over Memorial Day weekend, but as no, we were just saying, Sorry what enough. a beautiful, beautiful, you know, just night and evening. And, you know, i got to ask our producer, hey, Brett, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Bronwyn. How are you? I'm doing great. How was your Memorial Day weekend? It was very good. Thank you for asking. Yeah, what did you do? Um... Friends of mine, it was their son's third birthday party, so uh, I went over there. It was a big family event, and I had a great time. Awesome. Well, you know what? Brett is like the man behind the control board here for Water Fire Ignites Rhode Island, and he makes us all sound just a little bit better all the time. So thank you, Brett. Oh, my pleasure. (laughs) And, um, you know, it was interesting, Michael, because I was watching. I don't know if you saw, but on PBS, there was... um, this whole the, the concert that they do down in Washington yes. D.C. and yes. did you see the readings, the dramatic readings of the soldiers? Dramatic re- readings were unbelievably cool. Lawrence Fishburne yeah, blowing yeah, it out with yeah. that Vietnam veteran story, but part. actually all of them. On, uh, all of them, all of them. I was amazed uh, at the number of young people. Uh, I'm on Facebook. People communicate with me and so forth who had things to say about their grandparents, their grandfather, their father, their mother, serving and so forth. You know, I mean. It's an astounding, I had a lot of feeling this year that I hadn't detected in previous years. I know people who are directly affected are always, you know, uh, 
how should I say it, responsible for really doing that, giving thanks and yeah. uh, and 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 talking about the truth and things of life, how it really is when you miss somebody who's gone from a war, that kind of thing. But uh, this year there was a lot more feeling somehow. I'm not sure what that was. Did you feel? I that? felt the exact same yeah, thing. Yeah, everyone and was on a, on a very real personalized level. Yeah, and it was amazing. I've never watched that before. Mm. And I and for some reason I'm I knew some people that were contributing to that and I watched it and I I was blown away and I actually brought tears to my eyes, I you know. It. And I think that, you know, just even looking back, being able to do the water fire for the kickoff to summer, but also for Memorial Day weekend and you know, I know that we played taps at water fire and right. and paid reverence, but um and we also had the Star Field and the World War Two monument going. So it was really it was it was really just amazing, but now I want to talk about you because, Uh-oh. well, all right. So we call <laughs> now you. The I'm in tr- trouble. No, we talk. We, we say. I uh, take the fifth. No, go, I don't. <laughs> I'm calling you the talking mind, but really, you know, you you're my phantom boatman. Thank you. Um, and for anybody who's gone to Waterfire, you've definitely seen Michael. He's been. How long have you been with Waterfire, Michael? I do believe uh, since before it became like a regular event, uh, you know, I remember doing a one on a gondola for Swarovski before there actually was like a kind of large season going, you know, and then finding trying to find boats to put me on. Barnaby said, gee, you know, maybe you should be out there doing something, you know. Yeah, what was the costume that they put oh, you? They, oh, that was amazing. It was a Harlequino, Arlequino, and um, they sent it from Europe. And, of course, everyone said, oh, well, you know, this was made for a six-foot, four-inch Austrian female model. It'll never fit you. It fit like a glove. <laughs> I mean, it was quite beautiful, in fact. No uh-huh. bust, which I didn't need, you know, <laughs> either. So, I mean, it was I, 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 as if it was made for me. It mm-hmm. was really remarkable. And it was the um, same exact configuration of um, uh, one of the crystal figures that they had produced for a series based on the Comedia dell'Arte, and uh, this one, of course, Harlequin. And it's w- quite a departure from Pierrot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and quite a departure, in a sense, from what you might have seen in the 1500s or the 1600s in Europe at a Commedia where Harlequin appeared because he, he, like all characters, underwent some changes. This one was quite appealing. And sometimes he could be a real imp, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm even more more difficult to deal with than Pierrot is. And so Pierrot is the character that you yes. personify yes. when you were on the water at Water Fire. Yes. For people who don't have a history in Comedia dell'arte and know what those characters, kind of what what that means, explain what Pierrot is. Well, Pierrot is, uh, Pierrot is a... <laughs> Heroes, uh, he's sad and he's happy at the same time. If you have a friend like that, you know, <laughs> you know, crying, laughing. Yeah, I've been like and that. And <laughs> perpetually in pursuit of some really good-looking woman whom he never seems to really, you know, get. Yeah. Uh, years ago, they, of course, they invented a Pierrette, but that's not that's not an original. Columbina, he might go after Columbine, a lady, something, mm-hmm. somebody else in the cast, you know, but never with great success and always with arduous difficulty and. Doing it the hard way, I guess, but the laughing hard way, you know. Yeah. Uh, kind of cynical at times, uh, always joyous. Mm-hmm. At the same time, he's sad because he can't find someone, but I don't think he really does. He just likes the pursuit more than anything. Well, I, I see people's faces as you go by on the boat, and then you're handing them these beautiful flowers, and you really brighten up um, people's it's, it, You know, it's, I must say, Bronwyn, that's the closest I ever get to an audience in in a performer's life, you know. I mean, it's not a walk around where you're, you know, on the same pavement with them. 
you're in a very special circumstance. You're on a moving platform on the water on this little boat, and there's not much boat to see either. I'm illuminated. It's 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 very magical. It looks like this creature sort of uh, going across the water, gliding across the water. And um, when you see up close and personal uh, someone accept a flower from you and, and that moment, I, I, you know, the micro-momentary expressions and sometimes the howls and squeals of delight and the mm-hmm. tears even, you know, and the thank yous and the... The joy, you know. Yeah, I it's, think the different emotions that you. Oh, it's see. unbelievable, you know, really beautiful for me, and I hope for them. I'm, I'm pretty sure it is very beautiful for them, and you know, I w- was asking you this on our way down here. What it, mime is such um, a craft and such a an exclusive craft. How did you get into it? Huh. Well, let me say. Uh, my mentor and teacher, Marcel Marceau, said to me one time, he says, you know, Michael, mimes are born, they're not made. He said, we can teach people the technique, but this is a very special thing, and he said, people come and want to learn, and you can only teach them as much as they already know, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's, I, I think there's a lot of truth to that. How many Picassos, how many, I don't know what all, you know, but I, but there are people, I think, born to be beautiful in movement and beautiful in voice and beautiful in acting, you know, with these specific talents and sometimes with a sprinkling of other great talents too you know but I got into it because uh, <laughs> my mother as a child would say you're just a born nimit because I was imitating everybody from childhood mm-hmm. once once I ambulated and could imitate language without really understanding what language was you know I even imitated the sounds at those points I was sort of like Gerald McBoing Boing <laughs> who is Gerald McBoing Boing well he's this little person who used to imitate little sounds and say Boing Boing when he got excited and Boing 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 <laughs> things like that and he was this little impish character I was sort of like that I I wouldn't know what the words meant, but I could imitate the tone and the intonation of people's voices and accompany it with the gestural reality that they presented even mm-hmm. as a kid so uh, I did that uh all my life, and uh, I got serious about it after gravitating toward the theater and realized that there was a home for it after all. Well, and it's interesting because, you know, we're going to have to take a break in a second, and then we're going to talk to somebody from the Rhode Island Historical Society, yeah. which is Sean Badgley, and we're going to talk to him for a little while about everything they've got going on, and then we're coming back to Michael because I learned right before we came on air, he's like, oh, yeah, I've opened for all these bands. <laughs> Who was it that you said you opened well, for? Well, opened for B.B. King, God Bless His Soul. God Bless His Twice, Soul. Twice, yep. at least, that I remember. And for a lot of other folks. We'll yeah. Later. yeah, we're going to talk about those later okay. because I think your journey's been a lot longer than people could even imagine. You are listening to Waterfire Ignites Rhode Island here on AM790, your station for talk and business. We are underwritten by National Grid and sponsored in part by Lifetime Medical. Thank you so much for listening. When we come back, a little bit about the Rhode Island Historical Society, then we're going to extract a little bit more information out of our talking mime. Waterfire Ignites Rhode Island is brought to you by Lifetime Medical Support Services in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. Lifetime Medical Support Services has been a nursing and healthcare solution for over 30 years, providing its clients with home care services to personally fit the needs of each and every individual. Accessible 24 hours a day and 7 days a week, Lifetime Medical is the perfect solution to any patient's needs. Registered nurses are responsible for administering professional and quality aid to a range of ages, 
from infants to senior citizens. They can easily be reached at 401-333-3333 or 1-800-333-NURSE. And hello, 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 and welcome back. You are listening to Waterfire Ignites Rhode Island here on AM790, your station for talk and business. I'm Bronwyn Dannenfelter, and I am your host, and I have a lovely, lovely co-host with me today, Mr. Michael Grando. Um, gosh, he's uh, not only the mime at Waterfire, but a man of so many talents uh, and a lot of interesting stuff going on. So it's been a pleasure to have you here with me, Mike. Thank you. Thank you. And now... I'm excited because during the break, we were joined by our friend Sean Badgley from the Rhode Island Historical Society. Hey, Sean, how are you? I'm doing fantastic, Brown. How are you? I can't complain. Good. You know, it's it was a real honor and pleasure to be here. Thank I'm, you. Well, you know, I'm so glad that, that you're here because I was trying to think of, you know, things that are happening around town that are so important. And, you know, Michael, you just put it the best about history. Oh. And that, you know, that history is awesome. Exciting. It's exciting. It's history it, is exciting. It is. And I think that people kind of forget about that. But, Sean, why don't you start by telling us just about the Rhode Island Historical Society in general for people who don't know what it is. Sure. Um, well, we do our best to, to make history exciting. And uh, we were founded in 1822. Wow. Um, we're the fourth oldest historical society in the U.S. Remarkable. Um, and we're the largest and the oldest here in the state of Rhode Island. And we... Um, own and operate two museums, um, as well as a library and research center, and um, offer you know uh, programs and events around um, all, you know across the calendar and and all year long. So and all um, around Rhode Island too. So I know one of the museums right. in Woonsocket. That's right. Yeah. So. Do you mind just telling people where they can find these different the, – the, the library is here in Providence, right? Yes. Um, the library is um, uh, here in Providence uh, at the corner of uh, uh, – it's, uh, I think, 121 Hope Street. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, our headquarters is actually the Aldrich House at 110 Benevolent Street. Um, uh, Woon, uh, the Mu- Museum of Work and Culture in Woonsocket is on South Main Street there. Um, and then we have the John Brown House uh, Museum, um, which is really, you know, our crown jewel in a lot of ways because of the living history it represents and, um, you know, just the legacy of the Brown family uh, in Providence and throughout Rhode Island. That's at 52 Power Street. Um, so that's, you know, our, our, um, our collection of, of, of museums and libraries, and we have a bunch of fantastic events coming up this summer as well. Well, let's hear about them. I mean, I know that I know that you do walking tours, and, and can you tell us a little bit more about those? Definitely. Um, I'm glad you brought those up. The, that's you know certainly one of my favorite aspects of, of this job. We uh, you know at the John Brown House Museum, it's really sort of the the launching point for the majority of our walking tours, and we have a fantastic tour guide um, and director of, of tourist services, Barb Barnes, who is just a fountain. Of, of institutional knowledge and, and uh, knowledge about Rhode Island history. She is a dynamic tour guide. Um, you I will love have her. a blast on mm-hmm. those tours. Um, and so uh, we, I'm here today because we have two tours that are affiliated with Waterfire, actually. Um, and one is on June 13th, which is our Burning of the Gatsby walking tour. Yes. Um, which will be fantastic. Oh, yeah. And um, <laughs> Michael knows all about oh, the, yeah. the burning. He's, uh, <laughs> I've burned the Gatsby more than once. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's, uh, 
he's he's well versed and so hopefully he'll join us for this one um it starts at 5 30 on june 13th um leaving folks plenty of time to go to Waterfire uh mm-hmm. that night um and then we have another one on july 18th which is our american revolution and bastille day walking tour um, that too starts at 5 30 and leaving folks plenty of time for Waterfire. so we're really excited about those as well as our um all of our walking tours that run from june 15th through October 31st. They include tours of Benefit Street um, from all angles. Um, They include uh, tours focused on the great uh, weird fiction king, H.P. Lovecraft. Mm -hmm. And And that's right. They've got the huge conference coming in August, right? That's right. Another one. Beautiful. Very good. Definitely. And so, um, and also one focusing on the great gale of 1815, uh, which is in September. So Mm. um, we've got, you know, a schedule that is is really jam-packed this year. And um, again, I think folks will have a blast. They'll learn a lot. They'll learn things that they would never encounter in, in, in history books. Um, and um, they'll have they'll get some good exercises. Oh, absolutely. And I, you know, so again, how much do those normally cost? And I mean, because those that sounds so family friendly, and what a great way to you know be outside, be take outside, a tour, go to water fire afterward, please. Yeah, nice. or, or even in Edwin, you said they happen on not water fire nights. So what what is the schedule, or is there a regular schedule? Or yes, if um, if your listeners uh, check out um, rihs.org. Um, we'll have our schedule updated there. Great. And um, the tour cost is very reasonable. Um, I, I would say they average maybe 10, 10 bucks. How um, cool is that? Yeah, per person. That's excellent. Um, and there are discounts available. You know, for instance, um, the John Brownhouse Museum is a mili- is a is a Blue Star Museum. So military families starting this past weekend and through. Um, I think for the next couple of months, are able to get free admission. Um, is that up on your website? Um, it is. It, it may be. We've had it in some of our social media, but yep. um, I'll be sure to get it up on our website. Absolutely. So. Veterans are really important to me, and we do that big salute to veterans. And I think for Blue Star families that really would love, that's that's a really nice thing that you're doing right Definitely. there. And then, all right, can we talk about this concert under the elms? I have. Not, I'm embarrassed to say I have not been. But Michael and I were looking at the lineup. Yeah, I can't believe Holy it. moly. Yeah. Great lineup. It really is a superb lineup. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> we are welcome. so proud of, of this concert series. Um, it is a pleasure to be a part of and a, and a really unique opportunity for folks in the Providence area. Um, starting July 2nd and running through August 6th on Thursdays. Um, please join us at the John Brown House Museum again at 52 uh, Power Street where we will pair um, uh, uh, bands with some food trucks from the area. So, for instance, on July 2nd, um, we'll have the American band um, paired with Mama Kim's food truck. I love it. Um, yeah. I want to go. Yeah. <laughs> no. And I'll go with you. <laughs> it's such a beautiful setting. Um, you know, uh, great folks, a really laid-back vibe. You can bring your own coolers, um, but you can also purchase dinner through these food trucks, and we'll also have... Um, you know, a, a, de, a dessert card as well from um, from Gracie's. Nice. So, um, so some other bands will be the Becky Chase Band and Duke Robil, excuse me, Duke Robillard, um, who will be paired with Citizen Wing. Great. Um, and so folk, blues, R&B, all sorts of options for Very all nice. types of listeners. And more important, I think, is just the vibe and the sense of community. Yeah, so. that's a really important thing: the vibe and the sense of community. I must say. As you said, they were talking about those experiences, and suddenly, and they said, let's go right now and do it. Of course, it's not happening at this moment, but it really, these events are wonderful because they really uh, unplug you from 
the mayhem of the world and plug you into the civility of the world, you know, and to one another, where you find out that it isn't all tough and weird and crazy. Definitely. There's some wonderful things and wonderful people, and you can avail yourself of them here in Providence with a hugely rich offering like this one. Most definitely, Michael. I think you hit the nail on the head. It's it's a real chance to unplug and really get grounded um, with uh, your friends and, and your neighbors here in, in Providence and, and, again, throughout Rhode Island and even New England. So um, we, we take great pride in offering um, those opportunities Superb. for folks. Actually, guys, I just got the notice that we're going to have to take a commercial break right now. So um, what, how can people, again, you've already put out the website, and we're going to put the website up on our um, Great. on the Waterfire website. And also, if people want to go back and hear this podcast, we're going to send that along as well. But absolutely, walking tours, the things that you're doing. I mean, you've even got, you've got all sorts of events happening, school tours that you're doing, um, everything educational and fun. And again, as Michael said, brings us back out of ourselves and sometimes the insanity of the world and back towards something with civility. And so I want to thank you so much and the Rhode Island Historical Society for all that you do to make Providence and Rhode Island just that much of a better place. Sean, such Bonner, a pleasure to meet you. Thank you very much. Real honor to be Great, here. Sean. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, nice Sean. to meet you. My pleasure. Hello, 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 and welcome back. You are listening to Waterfire Ignites Rhode Island here on AM790, your station for talk and business. I am Bronwyn Dannenfelter, your host. And, you know, this is a place where we talk about not only water, fire, and good things happening at Waterfire, but just in Rhode Island in general. And, you know, Michael, what a nice gentleman that Sean Badgley is, huh? Absolutely. You know, and, and all the work that they're doing at the Rhode Island Historical Society. Doing a great Society. job, a great job, and a wonderful way to reconnect with Something we don't have time to connect with normally. History, you know, history in a great way. You know, something that, I mean, blues is the history too. When I go to see Duke Robillard, and I will go to see Duke Robillard and everybody I can for that series. Yeah. I I really will be reconnecting with history through that. Well, like with BB, you know, BB King and so forth. Th- these are people of history. They carry all of that knowledge with them, and the sound is the tradition of the music. You know. Well, and they were innovators, innovators yeah, in their time. And yeah. actually, I think even if we probably looked back at, you know, when he was talking about the Museum of Work and Culture, I have a personal connection to that because my great grandfather's family owned that. Wow. So, um, but here is innovation and time moving along, and you know, we are only where we are now because of what came before. Everything so, that came before, that's correct. Yeah, so, I, you know, I, one of the things that Sean and I were talking about um, right after the, when we just went into the break was people can become members of the Rhode Island Historical Society. Uh, very, very affordable. Go to their website. Check it out. The concerts that we were just mentioning um, that are under the Elms are free. And uh, just go check it out. Support something local um, that, again, is bringing us Absolutely. back to our roots yep. and keeping us, you know, we only move forward if we can assess where we've been and where we are now, right? No question. So, looking back, Mr. Looking, Grand. Looking back, oh my God. I, I got to come back to you because, you All know, right. every time I sit down it's with okay. you, you, you <laughs> surprise me. Oh, no. You know, the other thing that the Rhode Island Historical Society did, and I'm going to do a plug for you right Thank now you. because you. you did an amazing job. Um, you did a black and white uh, film, yes. uh, silent film. 
and called The Phantom Boatman, and right, we did right. some of the filming of Water Fire. Yes, in, um, in the dead of winter. In the dead of in winter. In Water Place Park, but it was a it, beautiful sight, and of course, that was the time to do it. No one was there but us, so yeah. it looked beautiful. And, so. you know, you, you were kind enough to allow me to be part of that whole process. Um, major, major part of it. Yeah, and it was freaking cold. For which I am grateful to you, too. Oh, thank it you, was cold. It was freaking cold. It was cold. cold. <laughs> uh, it's up now. People want to see it for, for you know, uh, for nothing. They can see it on YouTube. It's called Phantom Boatman Final Cut. Please do. If you haven't seen it, maybe you'd enjoy it. And the um, music behind it. The music behind it is remarkable. Written by a native Rhode Islander, Perrin Cloutier, who is with a band called... Um, oh, dear. Now I pull a, a senior moment. <laughs> uh, Beirut. Beirut. Yeah. Uh, one of their prime writers and musicians on stage. And he wrote an absolutely beautiful score for it, which you will hear if you see it on YouTube. Phantom Boatman Final Cut. And... Um, it's also shown at the Rhode Island Historical Society. So we're going to have to put a bug in Sean's ear. Show it again. <laughs> you know, back back in 2013, before the music had been added, because they paid huge homage to silent films produced in Rhode Island, which was, you know, who knew? You know, mm-hmm. a lot of them, you know, and they very graciously showed Phantom Boatman as well. Well, I'm glad that they did. So I want to hear more about this. So I think, you know, I think a lot of people think Marcel Marceau. Mm. And then we go to Mime, and again, it's very specific. But I can't believe you worked with all these rock stars. Well, what happened was after I I, I achieved uh, a, a reasonable degree of ability with the technique of mime and had a few ideas to share with people in terms of a theatrical presentation, I then found that I was homeless in terms of where to do that, you know, mm-hmm. because... Uh, how many Marceaux are there? How many mimes do you see on stage advertised in New York in a given week, month, year? Now, you know, almost never. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I had to find a venue in which to perform. And fortunately, contemporaneously, my brother, a musician, and other friends of mine, artists and musicians, were putting together evenings like uh, were happening out in San Francisco back in the 60s, like the Family Dog did and like Bill Graham did and like a lot of people did. Before the Fillmore got going, the Fillmore was a, a shot, you know, and then they started putting it together commercially. But um, very fortunately, a group called the Group Image in New York uh, had a little loft on Second Ave. I used to hang out with some people there, and I did a mime show for them one time and coordinated everyone, had a great day. And then they asked me back to do these things that they were putting together with some bands that were visiting New York at a place called the Palm Gardens at 8th Avenue and West 52nd Street. And the first band I got to work with there was the Grateful Dead. It's so crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> and... I loved it, and they loved me, too, and I loved them, mm-hmm. uh, Pigpen and Jerry and all the guys who were absolutely wonderful, whom I maintained a friendship with throughout the years, yep. albeit we did not see each other that often. We knew one another, you know, yeah. and uh, with good reason. Anyway, uh, I loved them dearly, and then it went from there to other other bands and other venues. Uh, I worked with B.B. King, as I said, God mm-hmm. bless him, God rest his soul, Ike and Tina Turner, uh, many, many years ago, Ray Charles. Crazy, right? Odetta Gordon. Worked with Odetta in Boston more than once, New York more than once. All right, so the, here's a scoop because I only have two minutes left, and I do want to just let everybody know we do have a partial lighting of Waterfire on Friday uh, for the Providence College Alumni Association, and it's going to be another beautiful night in those partial lightings and the basin lightings. They're just so small and intimate. But All right, here's a scoop, Michael Grando. Yes. I need to talk to you more. And yeah, okay. I think we need to bring you on air 
a lot more Thank because you. I think you've got a lot to say. One that is <laughs> that's very fun and interesting, but two, your take on life and on people Thank and it is something that is just so refreshing and joyful and your breadth of wisdom is uh, it's really amazing. So Thank you, Thank you for being my co-host today. Always my great pleasure, love. All right, and another thank you to Sean Badgley uh, from the Rhode Island Historical Society and Peter Mello from Waterfire. You have been listening to Waterfire Ignites Rhode Island. Again, thank you, National Grid, um, for making this show possible. Uh, We could not do it without you. We will see you next Tuesday because guess what? We're getting preempted by a Yankees game again next Wednesday, but we'll see you next Tuesday. And then after that, every Wednesday, get ready and see you down by the riverside. Thank you.